Crank up that diesel. Um, um, um. Let's go diesel. Um. Yo, we picked a real crazy time to take our little summer break here because um, since the last time we talked on this pod, uh, a lot of fuckery has gone down. Uh, before we get to the training camp, which starts this week, uh, timestamp we're recording on Sunday morning. What's, what's today's date? The 24th. Uh, we want to touch on some stuff that happened uh, over the past couple months, namely Dan Snyder and his uh, ongoing investigation into uh, misconduct in the workplace, Terry McLaurin's contract, the stadium, and you know what? We'll touch on Jack Del Rio just for uh, shits and giggles over here. So let's start with Dan, because it's obviously the biggest news currently on his mega yacht somewhere off the coast of Israel or uh, Monaco or somewhere, I, I, I don't know, um, dodging a subpoena that's awaiting him from the House committee. Uh, I'm just going to throw it to you guys. Please just, what are your thoughts on Dan right now and what's going on? In- it's hard not to laugh, bro, because the way you said, <laughs> yeah, like, dodging right. a subpoena, like, there's a profile of tracking Dan's yacht wherever he is or some shit. Like, this is just, it's become a total shit show, man. Like, become. It's, it's, I don't even know how to (laughs) explain it, though. Like, we've had these discussions about Dan. Paul, I know you was kind of pushing for, like, we're going to get him out of here and something's finally going to happen where they're going to actually expose him and make him sell the team. But ultimately, for me, like I've been saying, I don't think nothing's going to happen to this guy. Um, with everything that's come out, this dude is ducking a subpoena, like you said. He's off in Bali, got his yacht somewhere, probably. I don't know where exactly where he's located at, but probably screwed up the entire stadium situation as well, which I'm sure we'll get into. It's just – it's a shit show, man. And I'll be honest, that's kind of why I took a little hiatus from the team because every day it was a story, a link, a headline, a topic on local radio about Daniel Snyder, Daniel Snyder. Like, the whole focus has been on the owner. It's just so disappointing, man. I just really wish we could do a, a snap of our finger, just get rid of this guy. But it was kind of a bummer. I mean, obviously, this is going to be an ugly mess, no matter how it was presented to the public. But the fact that also the House committee meeting with Roger Goodell became this uh, partisan shit show where you have Jim Jordan asking Roger Goodell why Dave Portnoy is banned from NFL games and shit like that, and asking all these questions that have nothing to do with what's actually happening with this organization yep. is it's just kind of like the ugliness that's in this country already politically and now like daniel snyder has a piece of that that game too it's just like come on now like you can't catch a fucking break listen man i get i get what time of year it is so i just ignore that shit for the most part man snyder has his own season his own part of every off season name everywhere there's some people he sucks we all know it we know it Nothing we can do. They kind of try to bring him in for the subpoena. You know he's not going in there, man. And even if he does, he'll obviously embarrass himself. But then what? This wouldn't be the first time he's embarrassed himself. And what's gonna what, what's the end result? And kind of like Paul, Paul, like you mentioned, the day they had Goodell in front of the committee, like they set up a little water and had Dan Dan's name on the little table, like that. <laughs> They knew he wasn't coming. It's like making a mockery of the whole situation. And like you said, they weren't even focused on the actual investigation and what was going on. Like you said, they were asking stupid ass questions. Yeah. That's why I always and, felt like nothing was really going to come from it. And to add to that, there's an actual opportunity here to create legislature based on like testimony happening here to make safer workplaces for women moving forward to do something good here. But it's like, I, I don't know. I don't feel like this is about the betterment of workplaces across the country is more about Dan Snatter and getting Dan Snatter, which listen, I hate the man. I want him to get his worse than anything. I ever wanted anything to do this franchise, but that shouldn't be the point of what we're doing here. And that's kind of a shame. Yeah. Um, welcome. Welcome to America. Um, welcome mm-hmm. to Congress in 2020. Yep. Plenty of things they could be doing that they're not. So, Yeah. So how do you guys see this thing shaking out? Like, he has to come back eventually. It's also funny as hell to, like, like Dan probably thinks he's so slick, like, on his boat, thinking he's 007 or Ethan Hunt, some <laughs> shit like that. Like, this Mission Impossible, like, staying abroad, dying, like, the feds. Like, no, you're coming back eventually. 
I digress. How do you see this actually shaking out? It's funny because um, it was on, uh, which show was it on? I think actually on Lavero and she, and they were like, he's going to come back week one, home over to be sitting in the suite. <laughs> and then the U.S. Marshals are going to be banging on his door and saying, you've been subpoenaed. Honestly, I don't think nothing's going to come of it, man. Like, is, is he going to wait it out? I'm sure. Are they going to subpoena him when he gets back? Probably. But like they said, he can fight this to the, like, to the end. Like, and by the time they potentially may get into something, he'll have nothing to worry about. They're going to drop the entire case and we're going to all have to move on. Like as fans, it's, we just got to hope the team does better on the field because what we want to happen to the owner, is not going to happen. I don't see it. I will remind people listening at home that um, the overturning of the house that, you know, is, may or may not happen. It's not going to be till November. It's going to be in January. So if Dan plans on waiting this out, it's not for like the next three or four months. It's for like the next six to seven. Uh, I, could Dan stay on his boat for seven months? I wouldn't There's put no way. Him. He's not going to miss his team, bro. There's no way. He's going to come back. I don't know. Like, are you really going to come home and perjure yourself? Or you could stay on your boat and watch him abroad. I'm not, I'm not saying he would do that. That's not what I would do. But who knows? They could subpoena him. Can't his lawyers literally fight that shit forever? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess they could. I guess they could tie it up in with an injunction until January, I guess, possibly. I, I don't know. I don't know how much reach oversight committee actually has. I mean, to my understanding, they don't really have that much power. As soon as they gave Dan money to buy the team in whole, I was confident that they were never going to out, no matter what. I mean, even if with a Mary Jo White investigation that's still ongoing, we haven't even mentioned that yet. If that comes back with something that's, you know, unforgivable, like maybe, I guess, but like, I just don't see that happening either. I just don't have any faith that Dan is ever going to, uh, be ousted by this current set of owners and this commissioner. I just don't. I don't see it. Yeah, I gotta be honest with you guys. I don't really care. That's just sort of where I'm at. It's not. I only say that because it becomes a driving topic every off season. This time it's a subpoena. Last year it was something else. The year before, like it's always gonna be something. There becomes a time of every off season where there's nothing for people to talk about around here regarding the team except for Dan Snyder. I don't care. He's not going anywhere. And I I just like I, I have a hard time getting that interested in this stuff because I know yeah. that. Anyway, let's move on to Terry. A little, a little bit of good news. Um, um, I mean, there's not much to say. I never really doubted this would get done. I think it just happened at a time where they need a little bit of good news. So, you know, I'll praise to them for getting it done. But uh, we locked down our man long term. Cliff, I'm gonna go ahead and let you start this one because I know what you're gonna say. Um, go ahead, go, go ahead, and just handle them, Cliff, because uh, you had kept repeatedly over and over saying, "Didn't Coach Rivera say we're going to sign Terry McLaurin?" So what's the panic? What's the what's going on here? He, what? <laughs> how many teams does the fucking the president literally say? Yeah, we're signing this guy. Top priority. What was there to be having a conversation? This is what I'm saying about the off season, man. Some of this stuff is like you just drive a storyline. They, they they didn't entertain trades for him. Why would they? They literally told you he's one of the most important people. To, they, we did the same. They did the same thing around here when it was time for John Allen. Yep. Same. He's like, yo, we're signing him. Rivera, how like how much clearer does he need to be? We are signing this player long term. What is there to have a conversation about? We literally told you. So how can we? How are you going to do segments or write articles about whether he's going to be resigned? They, how much clearer could they be? We're, we're going to sign them. They never said, "Well, we're going to try to work it out." Right? They didn't. Do, they didn't. You they didn't even leak out numbers. Nothing. They leak nothing. Yep. Am I making every, this every up? Did they say that they were uh, far apart on a contract at some point over the summer? I'm making that up. But, but there were no numbers said. So where was that coming from? Right, right. I mean, that could just be somebody uh, with knowledge. Of, maybe it's a leak from an agent. Maybe it's a leak from the team. Who knows? I'm saying but, I mean, I don't, I, you know what, do I don't see why I don't see why it'd be a leak from the team. I take yeah. that back. Because they didn't have any. Probably a leak from the agent, but maybe they put that out there just to, just to, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, man. Like, hey, we're still over here. We're still waiting for you guys. Like, was, let's, let's get serious and come to, a, to an agreement here. There's no squeaky wheel here. Mm-mm. Because they told you if, if, if it was late from the it could be. Well, a lot of that nonsense was coming out. Remember, we were waiting on that landing money to get freed up. They said after June 1, 
you know, we get that extra 12.9, whatever it was. Right. And the Panthers kept saying they were literally counting down the days of when Terry McCormick was going to get signed. Well, the team didn't have the money yet. Coach had already told us you're going to we're going to sign him. He's not getting traded. We're not entertaining trades. So when the money frees up, I'm sure the negotiations picked up. But all the headlines every day waking up, well, are they going to trade him? Are they going to pay him? What are they doing? What are they waiting on? Why are they disrespecting their best player? Like, what do you mean disrespect the best player? They're, they literally told us we're going to sign Terry McLaurin. Well, you know what that is, right? You know what that is, right? It's just the tendency of fans to overreact and to assume the worst in this team when the contract isn't done now and right now. They're going to assume that they're going to botch it. And the media, the local media, has a hand in this because they like to gas shit like this up, like Kevin Sheehan, the Tom Laveros of the world, or like the number one culprits, the junkies probably, like, oh, they lose Terry McLaurin. It just shows more incompetence by this front office. Like, they, they do that little segment. They have to fill four hours every morning on the radio. So they talk about shit like this and it gasses the fans up. But this never was not going to work out. Like, are you crazy? Never. Like, they probably couldn't wait to get Terry resigned. Yeah, I personally had no concerns about it, man. I was never concerned about Terry getting resigned. Riverboat told us they were signing him. He's literally one of the faces of the franchise. They rolled him out in the new gear. Like, he's been – he was literally one of the first ones in the new commander's jersey. Like, he is – he's a person that you want to represent your team. Yep. And I don't think it was ever in question of him coming back. I'm glad they got it done. We all love Terry. Let's – yeah. Yeah. That's where it I'm might at. have been a diamond if they didn't get him resigned because he is the type of player that you want to represent you. But like I said, it never wasn't going to happen. So, you know, I mean, shout out to them for like getting him a nice deal. Like I think that Terry's people walk away very happy with the number, you know, we saw him celebrating down in Miami this weekend. Shout out to Terry. It's a good deal for him. It's, and it shows, it kind of kills this narrative that good players don't want to stay here or come here. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. two years in a row that you've got a blue chip type player, to sign a long-term deal, you know, Terry and John, like two of the guys that you want representing you. So, you know, let, let, let's, let's kind of kill that noise. Like we can get the players. We can draft the players clearly too. Let's just quiet down a little bit. Um, let's talk about the stadium a little bit. Um, we don't have to go into details at this point. It's kind of old news. Um, we, we know that there are three uh, possible locations that were mentioned and that was kind of finalized in uh, the months after the draft, uh, in the time since Virginia has decided to pass on giving us any funding until they reconvene at some point next year, DC remains a long shot. Maryland is now looking like it might be the best bet to, to go back to Landover and just uh, uh, kind of build up that community there. Um, you know, what do you guys think might happen here in the near future? They're going to have to break ground on something within the next year or two. I'm assuming <laughs> if they're at best deal beyond 2027. Um, but th- there has to be some sort of movement made on this. I'm going to be honest with you, bro. They're not breaking ground on shit. Exactly. <laughs> Next year. Hey, hey. That, that, that. Go ahead, Cliff. Go ahead. I'm just telling you, they're not breaking shit. So, yeah. Go ahead. This is a mess. <laughs> this is a disaster. Yep. Like, I don't know when they're going to be breaking ground on a damn thing out here. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know where this thing is going to be. People can make their predictions. I'm not really sure where it's gonna be. Really yeah, Paul, it's to the it's to the point where like I think that just needs to be put on the back burner. As much as we want a new stadium, I think we need to stop worrying about that shit as a fan base. This team needs to start winning games on the field and stop embarrass, embarrassing themselves off the field. Then maybe they'll get an opportunity to put a stadium where they want to put it. Because yeah, Maryland still has. A, I mean, they own the land. That's if they want to put it there, they could do it. That's not a question, but. I think real clearly they don't want to put it there. I think the goal, the end goal was for them to put it in Virginia. That's where Danny Boy bought his big ass mansion. That's where he could build his own little Snyder town. Like he wants a little Jerry's world. That's ultimately, that's what he wanted to do. But for, as far as stadium and breaking ground, that's just not happening no time soon. They can, we, we might as well just move on from that. And let's hope that the team gets some wins and the, the owner can stop embarrassing himself for a 12 month period. And then maybe they'll get back to the table. Dog. I don't know why, but when you said Snyder Town, it made me cringe. Like, that's just such a cringe. <laughs> that's what he wants, bro. That's what bro, he wants. I mean, I, I can see why. I mean, it's a profitable venture, but where are you going to build this? In Dumfries? Are you really going to take yep. everybody halfway to Richmond to go see a, a, a commander's game? I understand well, we why know. you want to do that. that. This building guy is one of the most wealthy and affluent 
communities in the country down in, on, on that part of the mixing bowl. But like, damn, like if you're not just cutting off all Maryland fans, DC fans, like PG fans, like how you plan on getting folks down there on a game day? How are folks going to make it to a Monday night game that starts at 830 on the most congested stretch of land other than the one on one in California? Like, come on now, like, please. Like you can't do this to us. Where you? Where are you really gonna put this? Yeah, but you. You don't give a shit, bro. But the issue here is you saying that the, there there are a lot of fans of Virginia that would say the same thing to you about having to go to fucking Rao John or whatever the fuck that place is, right? So mm-hmm. we, there are fans there, but truthfully, I think there's that's like a no new situation. I have no idea what's gonna happen with that one. No idea. Yeah. Yeah, I think that they that one I put more on Jason Wright than that than the ninety player list. You know? Oh I mean? yeah, the ninety player. Yeah. I don't really think it's a throwaway. Like, who cares about that? He was literally brought We're in here to job on getting the stadium. Yeah, and it's not. It's not looking good. When he did a little sit down interview, you could you could kind of sense his frustration with DC though, because he was pointing he was pointing out how DC has no control over their land. Da da da. And for all obviously, we all wanted to be in DC, but. Yeah. <laughs> right now they just need to that team needs to improve on the field they need to you know build their name back up because you're start you're basically starting from scratch with all the bullshit that's going on so that's just they're not breaking ground no time soon i'm gonna keep saying that that shit is dead and they just need to make sure fedex doesn't fall apart while fans are attending games in the meantime so right 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 two things i'll say one um it, this kind of goes back to what i was saying earlier where it's like People just come here and they just kind of lose their wits. Like, I, I I can't make sense of it, man. Like, he, the thing of this franchise will take over anybody, even somebody like Jason Wright. Like, went to Northwestern, Kellogg, business school grad. Like, I think he worked at Deloitte. Was like, like a real up-and-comer. Like, like Good somebody dude, man. proud yeah. to represent your franchise as the first Black team president in the NFL. And, like, mm-hmm. it, like I used to blame it on Bruce. Like, the stadium's not announced because Bruce is a jackass. If Jason Wright can't get it done either, like there, there's a real fucking problem. I'm not saying that it's Jason Wright's fault per se. I have no idea what goes on behind these meeting room doors. Like I have no idea. But if Jason Wright is not making no headway getting this thing done, then we have a real fucking problem. Like you might as well, and this takes me to my uh, second point, you might as well just go ahead and break ground at Rajon right now. Like, you know what? We're going to build a new stadium <laughs> next to the old stadium on some uh, giant stadium shit, right? We're gonna try to build this community over here in in Landover, right? We're gonna move the stadium closer to the metro. We're gonna build some shops and shit between here and there, and we're just gonna set up shop here. If if you really think that you don't have any other options right now, why wait? Just go for it. It's not a bad option. Maybe that's me being selfish as a Montgomery County guy living just down the road in 495 a little bit, but I don't think that's the worst option. I don't. No, the worst option is where Dan wants to put it. Dumfries. <laughs> so, and also, like you just mentioned about, we used to blame Bruce, and now, like, a lot of blames going towards Jason. Well, it's still one common denominator of the situation. It's the scummy ass owner. Nobody wants to deal with this guy. So, that's the reason why there's no ground being broke or nobody wants to negotiate with this team and build a stadium because the owner's still here. And ultimately, mm-hmm. like I said, they got to improve on the field and off before anybody's going to want to sit down and do any type of business with them. So, we just got to accept it. Yeah, like I, I don't blame uh, Jason Wright for not knowing, you know, how much Sean Taylor meant to the fans. I don't blame him for not really, you know, being as open to the ideas of the locals when he renamed the team. And, and uh, you know, I, I just don't blame him for like getting some of the stuff wrong that has to do with the tradition of what was the Redskins because you weren't here for that. You're not a local here, you're not from here. You're a complete out of towner trying to turn this team into a global brand moving forward, which is what their goal is. That's what they want. But the stadium thing, like that's on another level. That's something that's beyond the city. Like that's something that you should be able to transcend because you're Jason Wright. And it just, it's frustrating to know that it doesn't seem like he's making any progress with getting us some gorgeous facility that we've been promised for so long. This is another one of those things where it's like, I don't know how much I should be invested in this because I don't really know. It seems like they don't really know where to put the stadium because it can't go where they want it to go. So where do you put it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... 
it's crazy. Which, that, you, you know how you mentioned my bad. You said <laughs> they wanted to be a global brand. Why don't they make it a local brand first? Like get your fans back into FedEx before you worry about trying to be a fucking glo- global product. Right now, your product stinks locally. Your ticket yeah. revenue is thirty first in the league, idiots. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that. Don't worry about trying to take some shit overseas or something. But yeah, go ahead. I'm I'm brand, but yeah, that, no, I yes. Just, you're absolutely right. It's frustrating that they're thinking about building out some global brand like they're fucking Tottenham or, or mm-hmm. Manchester. Like, come on, man. Like, you are struggling at home. Like, you are losing the war at home, motherfuckers. Like, you have 15,000 fans at your games, and half of those or more are visiting fans. Like, tickets are going on the third-party market for, like, a couple bucks as of, like, two or three years ago. Like, you need to focus on winning the fan bases. Here, and this goes to why I was so frustrated that it might move to Dumfries. You are conceding Maryland to the Ravens. Mm-hmm. You're already losing that fight for the most part. Like, you have no chance of winning the new generation of PG County or Montgomery County. You know, maybe that even goes into parts of D.C. Like, who knows if you move 30 miles south of the city? Because it's just like, why? The Ravens are 30 miles up north, like, in the same direction. They run a functional organization that wins lots of games. Have an exciting young quarterback named Lamar Jackson. I'm just switching it up. So I mean that that's that. Yeah, yeah. See FedEx, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Players. So I wanted to to take a uh, bird's eye view of the roster, right? And I want to kind of break it down into tiers, right? Like not just say who the best player on the roster is. Like I think it's a debate of one or two players, but, like, let's talk about, like, the tiers of, like, who do we think could be elite? Who could we think could be making the, the leap into, you know, a solid contributor? Who's a fringe guy? So let's let's start from the very top of the pyramid and work our way down. So the first one I, I called elite slash playmaker, um, you know, your true blue chip sort of player. Who do you think is there? Who do you think is ascending into that spot this season you know, if all things go well and, and you see them reaching their potential and, and everything going just as it should. Um, I'll start off, obviously, with maybe our best player, Jonathan Allen. I think that he's now considered maybe a top three defensive tackle in the league. Um, I, I think that it's not a stretch to believe that he'll be an elite player again. He's the, undoubtedly the leader of this defense. Um and like I said, uh, one of the faces of the franchise. So that's the first guy I think is a solid, like, so like he's very solid in that group. Like one of the playmaker elite players on this roster. You guys can just throw him out. We don't have to wait on anything or we don't have to, you know, do all his defense, throw out whatever name you think. Um, for me, well, this one, I would probably say he's – I think he has a potential to just to take that next step and become elite this year if that's where we're going with that topic, Paul. Um, for me, I would say Montez Sweat. Um, this is a big year for Montez. This is year four. Um, <laughs> it's do or die time for him as far as getting paid because he picked up his, his uh, option, fifth-year option. But this is usually the time where you expect, like, DNs, impact players, you know, take that next step going into year four. He hasn't had double-digit sacks yet. First, first year seven, second year nine, third year five. Um, he's showed flashes, but he hasn't had that dominant season that I kind of think we've all anticipated. But I think he's, he has the skill set, as we all know. Um, he's one that I think potentially could take that leap, similar to like Jonathan Allen did. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be a top-five pass rusher in the game, but with his skill set and big body, like, Expectations for Montez Sweat, and I think he could potentially be that one that takes that next lead for us. That's a good one. Cam Curl. Cam Curl on Cliff. I think Cam Curl is about to have a monster season. Killer Cam. Mm -hmm. Probably play a little bit more of a dual role. Some of the maybe do some of the stuff Landon was doing, mixing in with how he was playing previously. Yeah, I think Cam Curl's the guy who's about to become a big name uh, from this defense. I uh, hardly agree with you. I, I think he always, not that he played in, in Landon Collins' shadow, but I think that he always was, um, you know, second on the pecking order, just because Landon Collins was here, just because, like, the contract, like, commanded he'd be the leader of that, like, 
unit on the defense of all the safeties. Like, even though he was playing like kind of a box safety role towards the end of his time here, like he always, Landon Collins was the name. Now it's Cameron Curl. And I think that he could see a very much expanded role in this defense moving forward. Like, I think maybe like uh, we've only scratched the surface of what Cam Curl could possibly do. And we could be having this conversation in several months where he's expected to have a bigger role this defense. And you see him ascend this, this like Pro Bowl level player. Like, I, I don't think that's out of the question. Um, yeah, about, I, I personally feel like, go ahead, my fault. No, 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 go, go. No, you go, go ahead, because you go, you're about to move on. Go ahead. I wasn't going to say right. that much. Go ahead. Um, statistics wise, maybe um, Terry doesn't take a huge leap in production just because he has more weapons around him. But I think now that he has a quarterback with the arm to reach him on outbreaking routes on, you know, quick throws in the same downfield like you could see terry mclaurin become a bigger play wide receiver like he's definitely the best wide receiver on this group hands down like and i think that he has the most to benefit from a carson wentz standpoint but like you could see him become this like rare air like upper crust receiver just because he's scoring eight to ten touchdowns a season because better opportunities down the field I think Terry's about to have a hell of a year, man. Like, I mean, right? <laughs> like, like you said, and I'm, I'm not even saying Wentz coming in here playing like Peyton Manning, but like Terry's finally got a quarterback that can get the ball to him downfield. Um, <laughs> I mean, we all know we've sat there and watched what he had to deal with and most recently Heineke, like telling Terry to go deep and getting this man a concussion versus Dallas or <laughs> the, the, the touchdown versus Atlanta when he's wide open in the end zone. And it took 75 years for the ball to get out of the air. Like, this is, Carson Wentz might be the best thing to happen to Terry McLaurin. It's crazy that I'm saying that, but I'm I'm expecting <laughs> 150 plus targets for Terry McLaurin, man. Um, I know we we got we added more weapons. They may take some targets from him, but Terry McLaurin is going to be the focal point of this offense. And I just, I really think Carson's going to get this guy the ball. This sky's the limit this year for Terry McLaurin. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you on that. Um, so if you got anybody to add, or is that about it? Well, I think I think that's it for that group, in my opinion. What do you Let think? me ask y'all a question though. Real, real, real rap about Montez Sweat. Is this not a critical year for Montez, especially if Chase is not ready to start the season? Like, no offense to Jane Smith Williams and Casey Two Hill and William Bradley King, but those brothers not getting to the quarterback. We need Montez to take a ne- a step. Do we not? I mean, absolutely. But I always thought that Montez Sweat. I think he's a a good a very good like i don't want this to sound like like uh offensive i don't want it to sound like i'm insulting the man but like a good second fiddle like ideally him and, and chase are doing their thing together like if he don't like come out and like gangbusters in week one week two week three week four when chase is still getting ready i'm not gonna kill him because i i don't think that he's that rare air sort of defensive end i think that he's a hell of a number two a hell of a number two yeah, this is a big year for him. I mean, this is a big – he had a rough year last year, like, yeah. personally, right? Like, his personal life. This is a very big year for him. Very big. Year four, it's time to get paid. I expect yeah. him to have – I mean, like you mentioned, Corey, I expect him to have his best season since he's been here. Yeah. I mean, it would definitely be nice to have him have a 10-sack-plus season. I mean, I think that if – he ends up being like a 15 sack sort of guy, then you know, it's just like that's him like reaching his potential. And that that's would be like the ideal situation for him. But um, you know, time will tell. We'll see. Um what's his best season um so far? I want to see what his best sack season was. You actually just said that, didn't you? With seven sacks two years ago? Was, I want to say it was nine. Nine. Well, I mean, if, if you got nine, 2029 sacks. And you're coming off like a down year. He's 15, like 14, 13. That's not a stretch to like think that you could have that sort of production in a 17 game season, especially against a group of quarterbacks that aren't nearly as good as you face in 2021. Like it's definitely not out of the question. Um, okay, let's move on to the next tier. Uh, I call this making the leap. Uh, I think these are just like your, your, um, you know, the, the meat and potatoes of your roster, the guys that you think that are going to make the leap from being like maybe a special teams guy or maybe like just a, a niche sort of player that ascend into like a starter, maybe somebody who is like 
a solid player on your roster, somebody that makes enough plays to help you win games. Maybe not elite, but like very, very good. Um, I'm going to start by saying somebody like Cole Holcomb. Uh, obviously, he's now the elder in the linebacker room. I think he is the oldest player in the, the linebacker group. Um, he's been there for four years. Like he's had three good seasons. I wouldn't say great, like pretty good. But, you know, now that there's no John Bostic around. There's no other veterans in the group. He is now the leader. Um, I think that he needs to actually make the leap and not only to insulate the position because, uh, you know, else is there besides you. Jamie Davis is very much a question mark. Um, I think that he needs to take advantage of this great defensive line in front of him and finally find a way to work within Jack Del Rio's defense to become that like 140, 150 tackle sort of player per season sort of player. Like, so far, he's just been like good. Like you're as a fifth round pick, you can't ask for more for somebody like Cole Holcomb, but like it'd be nice if he took the leap into not necessarily a pro bowler, but like, you know, a good solid inside linebacker. That's a good one. I got to think about that one because that's the, that's the only name that kind of stood out to me because we got a lot of question marks. I'll be honest. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Look, I mean, I'll st- what about somebody like Brand- like William? I said Brandon Jackson. What about William Jackson? Like we gave you all this money. We thought that you were going to be a cornerback one sort of player. Like, you know, granted, we may be misusing you. <laughs> I will concede that we might be not using the right way. And that has to do with uh, the people that are pulling the strings, you know, you got to use him better, but he needs to have a season. Like he had a few interceptions last year. He had a few bright spots, but you didn't make that leap into being the $39 million uh, contract cornerback that we were paying you to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think our defense, I think it's, I think we went into last season having a different conversation about this defense. And then now we're going into this season. Everybody thinks there's question marks everywhere. But I expect the whole defense to be much improved. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think there's, I think last year you're playing top quarterbacks on a regular basis. Some of the best offenses in the league on a regular basis, right? And like you're playing the top of the top QBs. It started from week one, it did not end. It was literally week yeah. one, was, week one was Herbert, week two was Allen, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and that sort of just set the course for the season. You were going to play, spend the whole year playing those level of QBs. So I think for everybody on the defense, whether it's the corners, right, where we feel like there are question marks, that's because we were playing people that could exploit them on a regular basis. As the season went on, the defense played a little better. So I get the concerns, but I just think someone like William Jackson, year two, I thought the secondary at the beginning of the year, secondary struggled. Late in the year, secondary got kind of got their shit together. I mean, with the section of that game in Dallas that we'll never mention again, but <laughs> I think I thought you were talking about, bro. But yeah, go on. like the team is, I think the, the defense, we're going in this year with it sort of reversed. The attitudes on both mm-hmm. in terms of how we view both sides of the ball. Last year it was like, oh, the offense is all the question marks. We thought the de- the people thought the defense didn't have as many. This year, the defense is returning pretty much the same group with the exception of a couple of things, but everybody's very skeptical of the defense. Uh-huh. You know, and I think we might, I think we might be underrating them a little bit. No, absolutely. I think that it's probably best for the defense to go into the season with expectations, not low, but let, let's let's uh, chill out with the generational sort of defense talk that you heard at this time last summer. Um, everybody wants them to be good, and they definitely have the talent to be very good. But uh, going under the radar is probably a better lane for this team. Like, I, I'd rather just go into the season, every temper expectations, and prove that you can do it before we get our hopes up. I definitely hear you on that, though. I definitely hear you on that. Like Riverboat kept preaching last year, he, his biggest concern was immaturity with this team. And they were probably reading the headlines, especially defensively. Like we said, they it was a lot of expectations for them last year. So to go under the radar this year, like you said, mm-hmm. not facing the top seven, eight quarterbacks in the league this year in back-to-back weeks, like that should help this unit, you know. And also, like you mentioned, Cliff, the secondary played a lot better second half of the year because they bumped Landon out of there. And the group that's back this year, that's the one that was playing better towards the end of the year. So. Right. Hopefully everything improves as a unit. Well, what about someone like Antonio Gibson? Strong rookie season, ended injury due to injury, or ended early due to injury, I should say. Uh, year two, uh, lots of fumbles. 
you no know, no denying that one of the most the highest rate of fumbles of any back in the league. Uh, people start questioning your vision. Uh, they've now uh, drafted a replacement for you. Not a replacement. You drafted another running back in the third round. Not necessarily a replacement, but it, clearly they weren't pleased with all the fumbling. I think that uh, they want to run the ball more. I think that's a staple of this offense. They want to be able to run the ball and take their shots, uh, but they can't count on you if you're always putting the ball on the turf. Undoubtedly very talented. I think we got to see that kind of come to fruition, even though you're transitioning from wide receiver. We, we get that. We've given you time. Now it's time for you to start, you know, converting more of these like almost plays into like big plays. I think it's potential. He just has to do it. And I, I don't think it's out of the question for, or out of, I don't think it's out of pocket for me to expect him to kind of become that uh, type of a running back. I'm still high on Gibson, man. I think this is going to be a big year for him. I know Brian Robinson's going to come in and take some of his carries, but I feel like based on what I see, like the fan base is kind of down on Gibson. Like Paul mentioned with his fumbles and missing, leaving a lot of yards out there on the field. Like this is, we still got to keep in mind, this is a guy that was transitioning from receiver to running back. Like you said, he's had two years in a role. Based on what we've seen on social media, he's kind of transformed his body, gotten a lot a little better shape. Um, and hopefully with the addition of Brian Robinson, we'll see more of Scott Turner, you know, getting Gibby in the open field. Um, he's probably shouldn't be a bell cow running back. That's okay that he's not a bell cow running back, but, mm-hmm. you know, take advantage of his abilities as far as outside. You no, know, he could line up at wide receiver, get him same things that you want to do with Curtis Samuel with outside screens or potentially moving Gibby in motion. Like he doesn't always have to run off tackle or up the middle between center and the guard, like get him in the open field, let him take advantage of his skill set, And, you know, like you said, I think I think it's gonna be a big year for Gibson. Yeah, I got another one, um, and and this very much hinges on his health. Um, I'm still very very high on on Benjamin St. Juice. Like, I think people forget how good he was. Like last training camp, uh, he kind of took some licks during the season. Like he he wasn't bad. He was honestly he was serviceable. He was out there doing his thing. Like sometimes he got got, sometimes he did his thing, and uh you know, guys hands on the ball, but undoubtedly a baller. I think he's, you know, long, lean. He's very, very agile. He can actually play a little bit of slot for you. I think he's the type of cornerback they want to see out there, maybe eventually take Kendall Fuller's spot. Um, I, you know, can he just stay healthy? Obviously with the concussions, it's uh, not, you know, just like protecting yourself from, you know, it can happen at any time. You know, concussions can happen anytime. The more you get, the easier they come. So uh, if he can stay healthy, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he can do in his second year. Yeah, nobody's bringing up Jamin. I was going to. I was I, just waiting I, for the right topic. I mean, yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think that I, I would be. I, let me put it like this. I would be shocked to find out that he's a tier below elite in his second year because the first year was – such a nothing burger is like, okay, what do I really expect from him? Like, I would take just like average at this point. You know, you know yeah. what? You know what? Even when, comes, even when it comes to the conversation about Gibson, we totally sure these people were being used properly. Is that was to have Gibson out here doing 20, 25 carries between the tackles, was that the best thing given the like you just essentially took away his explosion as a player? Right? Jamie is an athlete. Was it the best to put him in a role where he needed to make a lot of decisions? Let, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Just to counter, well, not counter, but like kind of uh, take this uh, question to this direction. They, they said that they think he has a lot of Christian McCaffrey in him. That's the highest of high praise. Because remember, he's one of the best in-between tackle runners in the league when he's healthy. Christian McCaffrey is, you know, has been doing it since Stanford, like, he loves to run between tackles. He's very good at it. Do you think that they're misjudging his talent? Like, I don't know if he could do it, but I didn't draft him. You know what I'm saying? Like, they said the first day they drafted him, he reminds me of Christian McCaffrey. They clearly think that he can run between the tackles. Maybe that's why yeah. they keep yeah, yeah, yeah. him. How about you stop thinking every player you draft reminds you of a player fucking Christian. Fucking Carolina. <laughs> they were talking oh that shit with Jamin. They sure were. Fucking ridiculous. If, are we are we on Jamin now? My bad, I, I got dropped off. My fault. Well, if we're on Jamin, let's move to the next tier because it, yeah, I, I think that's it for that tier anyway. Maybe we could name mm-hmm. a couple other players, but for the most part, those are the, the I mean, main about, guys. Hold on, what about uh, 
Cosmic. That's the one that that's probably the one that we missed. I saw Cosmic I mean, was on a PFF list today. They had him as number seven for breakout players, second year players. You know, Top I was 10. gonna I was gonna say <laughs> Cosme when I when I went with Gibson. You know, I don't yeah, you're right. I mean, he could be one of those like up and coming right tackles. Uh I guess I just don't know what to expect from him because he was so good last year in pass pro, right? His season ended so early. It's like, I don't know if you're going to become a dominant run blocker after a shortened rookie year, like maybe a year three sort of progression is more like in line for him, but maybe next year he surprises me and actually makes that leap to one of the better right, right tackles in the league as possible. He has the, that sort of talent. I'll say that for sure. Like I've seen enough talent from him to believe he can do that, but uh, oh, yeah. I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm a fan of Cosby, man. From what we saw, like when he was actually on the field, wasn't, you know, on the injured list, like Cosby was playing good football. Um, I forget his exact numbers. I wasn't, I don't remember if he was better in pass pro or was it run blocking, but that guy has a high ceiling, man. Um, and I know we re-signed Leno, a three-year deal, but I think it, it could potentially down the line, Cosby could be in a scenario where he may, um, I know they were talking about it, where he could potentially be a left tackle down the line. Not saying he has to do that, but I think Cosme has a high ceiling, um, especially when he came out of Texas. I, I thought he was a hell of a lineman. So if he can stay healthy, he that, that, that could be a key for us. Because as we know, that, that old line is going through a little transition, not having Sheriff. Um, and like you said, Paul, bringing in Norwell and Trey Turner, it's going to be a little adjustment. And you also lost Eric Flowers. So to have Cosme step up on the outside, that would be huge. I don't have his PFF grade right in front of me, but I do know he was like top 10 in the league um, in pass pro. Okay, I think he was a top, he was a top rookie offensive lineman in pass pro too, I believe. Um, I think his run blocking is where he suffered. Not that it was bad, but it was just like you, you're top ten in the league in pass pro, and you're more middle of the pack, lower end of like middling in run blocking. So there's a big difference between the two. Whoa, whoa, hold compare- on. Let me let me hold you to that. Let me hold let me hold you to that. Hold on. According to PFF, this was on a this is from Rigo's rag, so don't hold me to that. It okay. said Cosme posted a 92.4 run blocking grade. I'm tripping. Now, I don't know if that, that, I don't know if that was for a one game or not. I just I just Googled it real quick. So don't hold me to that. You could be well, wrong. Or you could be right. But <laughs> I didn't actually look it up. I just remember that he was very good at one and not so good at the other. And I yeah, was sure that as pro. But maybe Cosme. I was sure. Maybe he was good at running. And maybe that is a one game sample size. You're you're reading on really yeah. right. I have no idea, but um, I mean, the point is he's good at one and the other not so good. He needs to marry the two before he can become like that elite sort of tackle. But I mean, as a one year starter, like he showed me enough to uh, suggest that he could be a very good player in this league. Definitely. For sure. Um, next year, just like a solid contributor sort of player, like maybe somebody who's stepping into a role for the first time, like somebody like uh, my guy, Derek Forrest. Um, we heard that he might be in line for this. Uh, Buffalo nickel spot that uh, we love to talk about so much in this fan base. Um, I haven't seen enough from him uh, last year to kind of know where he's at, but uh, if you read the tea leaves, they've been giving him a lot of reps. He's looked more comfortable out there with the defense. I don't know if he'll be a starter. He'll probably be more of a uh, rotational member of the secondary, but um, he's a guy that's definitely, I mean, I would take solid from him. You know, I, I don't know if you could be a star, but I would take somebody who's competent who, uh, you know, can guard a little bit, can come down and bang a little bit, uh, be a solid tackler. Like, that's very important that you just tackle the guy. Um, but, yeah, you drafted him relatively high, and I think it was top 150. Like, maybe he could be a guy that's a starter for you moving forward. Hey, on the low, I kind of like Derek Forrest's skill set. That, that's a physical <laughs> – he's a physical football player. We just we just haven't seen him much, like you said. Um, but there's an opportunity for him because, like you said, there's nobody there to fill the Buffalo nickel role right now. So – Mm-hmm. Best case scenario would be for him to step up and, you know, <laughs> yeah, plug and play. Yeah. And I'll add to that, you know, while I'm on safeties, I'll, I'll say Bobby McCain too. Uh, I was ready to wring Bobby McCain's neck early last year when he was blowing all them coverages. <laughs> but I, I found when they started using Landon Collins in a different role, his play got way better, like way better. So maybe like you, you cut down the boneheaded plays early. Like we can't start week one with you just busting coverages with Trevor Lawrence. Like, I can't have that shit. But if he, you know, is a comfortable spot all year long, we could talk about Bobby McCain being a solid free safety. Something we haven't had here in God knows how long. Like, how long are we talking about how bad the free safety 
uh, spot has been here with Madhu Williams. Yeah, it's been that long. So, yeah, Bobby McCain, do your thing, please. Y'all ready to talk about Jamin? Let's talk Jamin. Go ahead. Uh, we need you, brother. <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm not even trying to shit. <laughs> all, all jokes aside, fellas. Like, that is my main thing I'm watching when they start camp. Like, he's a first-round draft pick. We did not add any linebackers this offseason. Jamin Davis needs to step up and make an impact. I don't want to hear no more shit about he's not ready. I don't want to hear no more shit about him being a middle linebacker. Clearly, he can't do that, so he's moving outside. They need to find a role for him where he can excel and help elevate this defense because where we drafted him, and there were several other players we could have drafted or at that at that pick, like they were like Cliff mentioned earlier, they were comparing him to Luke Keekley. I don't want to hear that shit no more. I need him to be not just serviceable. I need him to step up and make an impact on this defense. Cole Holcomb's transition to middle linebacker, you need to be his sidekick and you need to make plays out here. He has the ability, he has a skill set, he's fast, he's gonna be sideline to sideline. We need to see it. I don't want to hear no more of this shit of oh, he's transitioning or he hasn't played the position that long. Don't want to hear it. Where you drafted him, we need an impact. If you knew he needed that time to develop, you shouldn't have drafted him in the first round. I don't want to hear that shit. Del Rio and Rivera, your linebackers, figure that shit out. Because if Jamin Davis is on the bench and I see David Mayo guarding Tony Pollard out of the backfield, I'm going to go ape shit and fall <laughs> the face. That's all I got. Hey, and scene, and scene. Hey, that's a terrific rant. You're right, though. You're absolutely fucking right about it. Like, your linebackers, how did you whiff so spectacularly on Jamin Davis? Ron, Jack, you played in the league for a long time. Hey, Jack don't know what the fuck he's talking about anymore. <laughs> once motherfucker starts, you know, people just be like politics aside, but once you start saying the dumbass shit he's been saying, I can't trust your decision making at all. Period. I have. I'm left to assume that you don't know what the fuck you're talking. About. <laughs> I'm serious. Like if you read the shit he's like, we make it like a, a political thing, but he's talking nonsense. So how the fuck mm-hmm. can we? How the fuck can we trust that you still know what a good linebacker looks like? You don't even know what a cool look like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. That's, That's real shit. though, Cliff. That's real shit. No, nah, we need them. Have to step up. You, you didn't bring anybody else in. And Not one. Look, for the defense in general when it comes, there, there's some people on the defense who it's like put up or shut up time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 90, 52, mm-hmm. 23. Three. Three. And the, head, and the defensive coordinator. Like, Wait, who's who's twenty three? Isn't that Will? Isn't that Bill Jackson? Oh, he cha- oh, Will changed the three. Let me three. Oh, he changed the three. Oh, okay. Yeah, single he heard, he heard he he calling the bill and shit. He said he had to switch it up. Yeah, get his ass cooked. <laughs> had to retire hey, the did, number. Did y'all see uh, my man Ricky Spanish on um, Twitter? <laughs> he he put, I guess William Jackson had said he thinks he's gonna be a ninety on Madden. <laughs> And he posted the screenshot. I was like, bruh, 90? Did you see how you played last season? <laughs> 90. <laughs> Brother, oh. you better just focus on not getting cooked by CeeDee Lamb man, and uh, Kadarius Tony out of here, man. For real. But that's just, like, wh- I know we go on Will or Bill Jack a lot, but he has the ability. Like, come on, Billy. We gave you all this money. Step up. Be cornerback one, bro. Like, don't be out here getting cooked. What is he trailing CD Lamb down the sideline, bro? Please, we need you to step up. Man, CB1, come on, bro. Because he getting cooked by week four. I know Cliff will be on here lighting his ass up, and I ain't defending him. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Because oh, there's nothing worse than an overpriced corner who's out Real shit. getting cooked. Mm-hmm. There's nothing worse. Uh, we don't got to go too far into this, but, I mean, we, Carson Wentz. We need you to be solid. Oh, dog, we ain't. We, I mean, we, that, we have not met Carson saying. once. 
for real. We ain't, yeah. <laughs> we about to get well, that. We've done said everything on this podcast we need to say about Carson. The, the story keeps regurgitating itself. Everything that's needed to be said about him, he needs to be consistent. He needs to check it down. He needs to, to protect the ball, right? Like, like <laughs> we know what Carson needs to do. Just give us solid Carson, and we'll handle the rest. Don't right? need you to be Superman. Yep. We don't need a Superman at quarterback. Like, Carson, we, and we all know he don't like to check down, Paul. You just said it. We have players out the backfield that you don't got to force that shit into double-triple coverage, bro. I don't want to see you flicking the ball on our own goal line and the other team intercepting on some Kirk Cousins shit. Like, just be serviceable. Be solid. Playmakers for you. They're there. Like, especially when Logan gets back, I think he's going to love Logan Thomas. I really think he's going to be similar to, like, when he had Ertz in Philly, like, Carson Wentz loves to hit the tight end. He didn't really have that with Indianapolis because um, obviously John Taylor was just doing his thing. But we have the weapons for Carson to succeed here. It's just he just can't get into Superman mode. So, Right. Uh, speaking of weapons, how about somebody like Diami Brown? Like, can I see some – Damn, we didn't even uh, mention Diami. God Diami damn. Brown, who please downfield. Like, if you listen to Kevin Sheehan, they're still very high on him. They still think mm-hmm. he can be a dog, and so do I. I mean, they drafted somebody, you know, that might be taking your snaps, but you're going to be seeing your fair share of playing time. Like, when I look at Diamond Brown, like, I see him as that guy who it can take the top of defense at any time, you know? It, it, I don't know what else he does really well, but I know you can do that. Like, if you could be the, 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 the gun that, that just can move a safety out of the way so you can open up some things for other people. Like, I'm not saying you're just, like, uh, out here being – uh, a decoy, like you can do some things in your own right, but like the offense opens up a little bit more when you have somebody who can strike fear in the hearts of, of cornerbacks and safeties. Like, can you do that for us at very least? I know Cliff going to hit on his separation. <laughs> hey, they told me you can run. How come everybody runs with you? <laughs> I mean, he, he flashed a couple times for us. Like, we saw a couple highlights, even the Diggs one, where, you know, he literally beat Diggs off the line. Oh, took 30 years to get there. It's just like, again, going back to Carson, Carson has the ability to hit these receivers in stride down the field. So, Deami, this, yeah, Paul, you mentioned there's an opportunity for him to step up. Yeah, we drafted Jahan Dotson, but we also know Kurt probably going to miss seven or eight games, so there's going to be opportunities for Deami. Well, I, listen, man, I, I've read it so many times. The leap between um, year one to year two is the biggest leap players make like just like in their personal lives like physically that the year you enter the league so much is happening you're not really improving in your game right then and there that first year where you sit down you evaluate where you are as a person you evaluate where you are as a player and you make necessary steps towards being a better professional that's when they do it maybe you see him make that leap you're one to year two like I, I don't know possibly I mean you're right the separation thing is kind of scary because I heard you were fast you know I, I watched you in Carolina running by the best of the best in the country. Like it just seems like you don't have that fifth gear and that's fine. Like you're still, you're fast enough and you're still a four, four guy, but like, I don't know. I, I have high hopes from still. I, I know the team has high hopes from still. So we'll see. Uh, what about somebody like, uh, you know what? I'm off city Charles. I know that's your man, Corey, but I am officially. <laughs> over. It, I think that at this point you best hope for him is swing tackle or swing guard. I mean, and, and that's fine. You need one of those. That's just where you are at this point. What about smaller like John Bates? Especially if Logan Thomas is out the first few weeks, which is likely. Um, he honestly might have been the best rookie last year. I think we talked about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially as a blocker, man. He's a hell of a blocker, man. And, uh, you know, I know blocking tight ends in the league are not really a thing anymore, but it's nice to have one. He's one of the better ones. So uh, shout out to him. Anybody else you guys uh, have an eye on? I don't know. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't mention. I mean, I know we we doing tears and stuff, but yeah, we're not doing everything. Like Cole Turner, I know obviously he's a rookie, and what was the fifth round we drafted him? But with yeah. his injury, he might have a major role in this offense early on. There's a, there's an opportunity for him. Um, I, I know we were talking. About- I'm my bad, Corey. I'm no, no, ahead, no, you go. Go ahead, boy. No, oh, you go. go ahead. I was gonna say was, <clears throat> I think that Cole Turner's gonna have a role in the offense no matter what, and I think that's gonna change whether it's Logan or John ahead of him on the depth chart, because I think that they want him to be uh, a red zone target at least moving forward. Like all three of the tight ends on the depth chart, they're expected to make the team are very big dudes. Like these dudes 
Uh, Bates is six seven. I think Thomas is like six four. Cole, I think Cole's like six seven as well, six six. I mean, big long range dudes. They can body people's in the red zone. Like they clearly like they have a type there. Um, but I think that he actually catches the ball better than either of those two. So um, whereas you have like really small wide receivers, like you probably have the smallest group of starting wide receivers in the league. At least you have big body tight ends that can do their thing. Are we off the same as Reyes stream? I mean, I was never really on it. <laughs> and I mean that because like that was always yeah. like a project. I mean, yeah. Full blown project. It's only one year in. So yeah, it's just gonna take time. Even if it does work out, it still need plenty of time. Yeah, definitely. He was forced on that 53 last year, if we're being honest. Yeah. We had no depth. No love. No love for your boy Gandy Golan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised Cliff ain't mentioned Cam Sims, though. We ain't going to talk about – we ain't going to add Cam into that? Or Cam's going to just still have that role where we might see him once or twice a game? No chance of Cam stepping up? I mean, I don't know what the fuck they were doing with Cam Sims last year. I I don't either. I don't either, Cliff. So – and then he came back. So what is the plan? Yeah. I guess snaps – how many snaps can you get? I guess – I guess what most likely happens is Kurt plays four games – and then Cam Sims gets snaps, but like the depth chart, where do you, where is he on the depth chart? Fifth? Yeah. Like he's slipping down the depth chart. But every yeah. time he's on the field, guy makes plays, man. Never fails. Yeah, um, you're definitely right about that. Um uh, let me just you know mention a, a, a trio of young players, man, because I, I think that. Uh, these guys are probably due for uh, like a step up in playing time. Uh, James Smith Williams, I think Shaka Tony is going to play more this year, and Chloe Hudson. I, we said that last year, it didn't come to fruition, but I definitely think at least those three players, uh, like amongst the young players on the defense, that are kind of like second stringers, are going to play more this year. Definitely James Smith Williams because Chase is going to be out. Um, I, Shaka played a lot towards the end of last year. That was probably due to injury more, but I I know they like him. And Kaliki Hudson, I mean, like he's been mentioned as that Buffalo nickel as well uh, with Derek Force. I know he played there a little bit in training camp. Um, he has a skill set. Maybe we take advantage of that this year. Maybe he's finally ready to make that leap into a defensive player that's playing like regularly on defense. Uh, I, I think that's really about it. I got one more for you oh, because okay. we did lose. In the offseason, Matt Ioannidis and Tim Shuttle. I know we drafted Fedarian, um, but there's a little, there's a question mark with that depth at D tackle. Um, and according to what all the local beat reporters been saying, Daniel Wise has kind of moved into that fourth uh, D tackle position. So that's going to be interesting because you know the way we rotate our D line, what's that depth going to look like inside? Um, what's the other guy we just yeah. picked up? David Bada. So it's, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how that's going to work out as well because, like I said, we we rotate a lot up front. So. We need yeah. those guys to step up. I think you mean F.A. Obata. And I was about to mention him because I think the Bills use him a lot inside on on, on um passing downs. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe, like, picking him up as part of the solution, you know, to kind of, you know, get around, like, losing Settle and losing night is like, they, they plan on being on a lot of passing downs. Obviously, the passing league, you could have him in at D-tackle on second and third downs, maybe not first down sort of player, but... um. But you're right. Fedarian is more of a, a run stuffer. I mean, I know that mm-hmm. they kind of uh, praise him as an all-around player, but I think that he's more of an early down run stuffer at least to start. You know, I haven't really talked about a lot of rookies, but he's a second-round pick. He's going to be playing a lot Yep. moving forward. I haven't really thought about his initial role. I assume he's just like an early down player, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. Um, what spots do you think are up for grabs? Um, I feel like most of the starting spots are pretty much spoken for. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a starting spot. Uh, maybe it's like a niche role that's changing hands, like a, like a Landon Collins to a Derek Forrest sort of player. Um, I, I, I guess the only starting spot that's really open on offense right now, assuming that Logan Thomas isn't back for week one, do, I mean, do we see Brian Robinson push Antonio Gibson? Like, do you think that's ever something that could happen? What do you mean push? I think they just plan like, on 
do, do, is Brian Robinson taking the first carry on September 11th? No. No. Do you think there's a scenario where Brian Robinson is out carrying or out touching Antonio Gibson this year? All things even, like they're both healthy, they're both ready to go all 17 games? I think if that happens, the team's having a good season. If he out carries him? Yeah, because that means they that means because fourth quarter we games you running the ball. Yeah, yeah I feel your good point, Cliff. Yep, good point. Yep. So Paul, that, yeah, that, that might not need to be looked at as a negative. That could be a positive. Be, <laughs> that means we're in control right. of the game and we 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 closing the games out in the fourth quarter, pounding the ball. So yeah, that could be a positive. I mean, I I hear you on that. If we're a type of team that we're we're, you know, twelve and five and we're running down the clock all fourth quarter on on some things like beating the crap out of some teams like. I think I would still be shocked to find out at the end of the season that Brian Robinson was outpacing Antonio Gibson, even if that were the case. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that would mean Gibson is disappointing, but that would mean that Brian Robinson is probably balling at that point, like really doing his thing. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I, I just think when looking at the depth chart, there really is not much open. Mm-mm. I think the 22 is pretty much set. It's a lot of the same guys from last year, with the exception of a couple of spots. But it's pretty; it looks pretty set. Yeah. What What about some of these backup roles? Well, what about like uh, who's going to be returning kicks? What about punts for us? That's that's a key. That's a key role. We don't have Carter no more. Who's going to step up and take that role? True. Uh, Dotson has been getting some punt return, kick return action in camp. They did just sign. Alex Erickson, I, I don't know if he's long for the roster, but he returned kicks in Carolina under Ron Rivera for a while. Um, I, Danny Johnson is always available to do that like in a pinch. I guess there's no really – there really isn't anybody else. Unless you want to put Kurt back there, which I doubt. Or maybe you roll with Dax Milne if he's, you know, steps up and stops taking his ex-college teammates. Girl, let me stop. But <laughs> – <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure they're gonna give him opportunities because they were kind of high on Dax and they had him return punts, I think, last preseason. So, I mean, he's another one I could. I mean, yeah, I think that's more a fringe player. Like, I think that if Dax yeah. only made the roster, you know, it doesn't move the needle one way or yeah, no, nah, no doubt. I mean, I mean the, the top five on the depth chart are, is solid. Like, you have Terry, you have Dotson, you have Curtis, Cam Sims. And Diamond Brown, like the six wide receivers, inconsequential. Honestly, I would rather it be somebody who returns punts. Like, sorry, Kelvin Harmon. Sorry to Dax Milne. Like, I'd, I'd rather have Alex Erickson be the six wide receiver since he serves that role. Mm-hmm. And you don't really have anybody else there that does it at least well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I mean, with the, is Dax Milne is potentially just another Alex Erickson, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But does Dax even return punts though? He did. He did. He did in college. Yeah. Did he return punts last year though? No, someone else did. I'm just saying, like oh, yeah, well, we did have we did have DeAndre doing it last yeah, year. Okay. I think it's still yeah, like Harrison had to make a team returning punts, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I know I said I was just I was done with Sadiq, but do you think that either of these guard spots are up for grabs? I, I would lean towards Trey Turner being more up for grabs than Norwell. I think Norwell's more like steady and left guard. No, <sighs> that shit is closed. I think they still high on Sadiq, but also it also depends on like what's the situation with Ruye. Because like you said, if he's not back, you moving west inside. If Ruye is back, are you are you just going to play? I would think they would lean more towards Schweitzer at right guard and Trey Turner. No, but Schweitzer no. he balls his ass off when he's in the lineup. Or we think we go, they're going to roll with the vet Trey Turner. I, I think that I think that if Schweitzer and Turner. And Norrell were all healthy. I think Schweitzer would be on the bench, and that's a good problem to have. Schweitzer is a good swing lineman on the interior, like a very good, like somebody that you're you feel comfortable with coming in, and like he's done the past two years due to injury. Like he's been better than what we could have expected from him. So, um, I'm that's a good spot. You're in a good spot at guard, considering you lost Sheriff and Eric Flowers. That I'm surprised you're ever able to put together a room this good on short notice. Um. What about someone like see him taking Bobby McCain's spot? Especially since he's brought Bobby McCain back. Um, but another high draft pick. I think he went like 101. He was touted as the best free safety in the draft. Didn't hear much from him in the uh training camp sessions, but uh you know, I, I don't think that it's like out of the question that Bobby McCain would lose his starting job. 
if per, if Percy Butler were playing really well. Say what? Bobby McCain ain't. Bobby McCain. Paul trying to bench McCain early. Yeah. I'm not trying to bench McCain early. I'm talking about spots are up for grabs. It doesn't mean somebody's getting benched. It doesn't nah, mean somebody is. That spot is not up for grabs, dog. All right. Okay. How All right. How much did he get? Money wise. Uh, let's see, McCain. Two for ten. Sign a bonus, three point five. Average salary, five per. Five point seven guaranteed. I don't. Not think dumb it's, money. It's not dumb money, but it's highly if he loses it to a fourth round, fourth round rookie. Unless that fourth round. Rookie, also, yeah, go ahead. Unless he's playing out of his mind, I don't see how he ends up taking his spot. Yeah. Okay. And also to your right. Cliff's point earlier, Bobby McCain was kind of one of the reasons that you know helped turn around that safety. That uh, I said safety secondary on the back end. So, oh uh, yeah, no, man, I was praising him like twenty minutes ago, saying how he was, yeah. you know, played much better when Landon Collins got the fuck away from him. So yeah, no doubt, definitely, definitely. I, I definitely see it. But like, I, I'm not like let's just not forget that they drafted somebody in the fourth round who was touted as yeah. a potential replacement. This is before Bobby was back. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that it's likely he would take a spot, but what shocked me if you if we're having a conversation in a month now where Percy Butler's had hell of a camp and now he's like playing some defense alongside uh Bobby McCain? No, of course not. It's not out of the question. He's not somebody you have to have out there starting when you're 22. No, nah, but but that's but you're speaking from Paul's perspective. We gotta speak from how we know Rivera works. Yeah, that's not happening. I guess, yeah, that's you're right. Move. That's not happening. Don't get me wrong, though, Paul. I'm sure you see Butler. They're, they're high on Butler. Like, a lot of people are high on Butler, actually. They say he's real physical. So when they get them pads on, I'm interested to see what kind of, what type of impact he has. 